We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 26th, 2013. Uh, next report, diversity and the divination of humanity saves humanity. Not Jesus Christ, says presiding female Episcopal bishop. This, again, this is another really big example of how bad things are really getting. The presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, bishop, a woman bishop, the Bible says the bishop, elder, deacon, pastor is to be the husband of one wife. Husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. So, Biblically, the lady's beyond out of a line. If you don't believe that, Kian woman, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I just lay out the Bible verses. I'm not bigoted. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Okay? Um, just like I'm telling you about the homosexual, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Any any um, any subject in the Bible, I'm going to tell you what it says. And this, is, this isn't about, you know, me not liking women. I think I defend women in this particular uh, ministry, about as much as I defend anyone, really, in their rights. But this presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church has denounced the Apostle Paul as a mean-spirited and bigoted for having released a slave girl from demonic bondage, as reported in Acts 16, 16-34. I'm not lying about this. She's... And I give you a picture of this lady. She's got her pontiff hat on. She looks like a she looks like the Pope in a little different garb. She's got her little double. I think this is the Lucine cross going on there. And, and she, the the woman looks. I don't even know. I, I shouldn't say anything. It's just she's. This is so evil. <laughs> and the fact that this woman is the bishop. The presiding female Episcopal bishop of the Episcopalian Church. This shows you the state of affairs that just one sect of pseudo-Christianity that denomination is in. In her sermon delivered at All Saints Church in Caraco in the Diocese of Venezuela, Bishop, Bishop Catherine Scory condemned those who did not share her views as the enemies of the Holy Spirit. What were her views? Well, the main thing is Paul is Apostle Paul's mean spirit bigoted for having released a slave girl from demonic bondage, as reported in Acts 16. He delivered her from a devil, and he's mean spirited and evil. And because Anybody that doesn't agree with her, she says, are all enemies of the Holy Spirit. Wow, the world according to a demon-possessed lesbian. Because we're going to find out she's most likely a lesbian as well. Which is one of the main areas where lesbians love to gravitate into clergy. Because they can go up there and they can, you know, uh, pull up their belt and just let everyone know that this is what the God she serves thinks, and she'll just give their they'll give their own opinions and these types of things, and uh, totally unbiblical. But when did the Bible ever matter to someone like this? It never did. 
demon-possessed, is all I could say. People like this. Condemning those who do not share her views as enemies of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What does she know about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit sure don't live inside her. If it did, it would convict her. Number one, to get saved, which obviously we're going to find out, and obviously we already have found out, she has no comprehension of the Bible at all. No grasp of even basic scriptural exegesis. Nothing. She has no no grasp on scripture whatsoever. Okay, it would tell her, the Holy Spirit would also tell her to stop playing like she's a bishop and, you know, obviously get out of that. Probably tell her to get out of the Episcopalian denominational movement because the, the vast majority of people that are Episcopals are not saved. You couldn't get saved going into an Episcopalian church. It's, it's religion, it's salvation based on works. It's just another different flavor of the Catholic Church, essentially, like so many of these other religions. And they're all going to be reassimilated back into the mother whore Catholic Church soon enough anyway. They all are begging for it. I've documented that over and over. But we're all enemies of the Holy Spirit, according to her. Well, the Bible does say the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Her wicked black heart is telling her all of these deluded, totally unscriptural, anti-biblical things. She stated... Quote, human beings have a long history of discounting and devaluing difference. Now, this is all going to come back around to the whole lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender things. Human beings have a long history of discounting and devaluing difference. Finding it offensive or even evil. That kind of blindness is what leads to oppression slavery, and often war. What is she getting at here? She's getting at, or she will be getting at, the fact that because this girl, this demon-possessed divination girl, we're going to read some of those verses. Actually, we're going to read those verses. Because she was different than Paul, because Paul was saved. This is the difference she's in reference to. She's viewing what Paul did by delivering her from this devil as evil. As that he wasn't valuing that she was different because she was demon-possessed. I'm not lying. Literally, you're going to see this crystal clear. This is how evil so much of the church has become. Just as the forces of historical... um, inevitability led to the ending of industrial slavery, so too would the march of progress lead to a change in attitudes toward homosexuality, she argued. So in other words, she's trying to prove this point because Paul, what he did was evil. He didn't value that she was different. She was basically possessed by a devil. So too would the march of progress progress, lead to a change in attitude towards homosexuality. 
This is the point she's trying to make. It's the most convoluted... I don't want to call it a sermon. Abomination I've ever heard come out of somebody that even would feign Christianity in any way, shape, or form. Just about. I mean, I shouldn't say it's the worst, but it's, it's right up there. This is what happens when you just totally throw the Bible out the window and you use these false versions and you just start to interpret the Bible any willy-nilly way you think it, whatever it means. Their minds are so darkened. They've been so turned over to a reprobate mind like this witch. She probably is a witch. I mean, literally, she's pretty much participating in witchcraft with all of her Catholic accoutrements and all of the garbage that she's doing. If she's not an outright witch, she's, she is participating in witchcraft. Within much of these, these ceremonial things are witchcraft within these um, denominational systems. Going further, she goes on to say, quote, We're seeing something similar right now in the changing attitudes and laws about same-sex relationships. As many people come to recognize that different is not the same thing as wrong. Oh, but again, she could care less what the Bible says. She could care less. All we're getting is her demon-possessed opinion. That's all we're hearing. It's the only thing she's capable of. The world according to her. Then she goes on to say, for many people, it can be difficult to see God at work in the world around us. Particularly if God is doing something unexpected. Now, what is she in reference to here? She's in reference to these verses we're going to read in Acts regarding this demon-possessed girl that were following Paul and his followers around, that Paul delivered from the devil. Because she's saying that the demon-possessed girl, was God was doing a work in her, and he was doing something through her that was unexpected. So in other words, this was God working in the girl, not Satan. I mean, one of them that call evil good and good evil, that, that's exactly what she's doing. In every way, shape, and form, she is calling evil good and good evil and acting all sanctimonious the whole time while she's doing it. To illustrate her point, presiding bishop, the presiding bishop turned to the book of Acts 16, verse 16 through 34. So you can turn there if you like. Verse 16, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. This is like what witches have, okay? Spirit of divination, she's divining. This was punishable by death in the Old Testament. The Bible says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Okay, I'm not saying we do that now, I'm saying, but in the Old Testament, it was a death sentence. She was possessed, it says. Not just oppressed or she had a little problem. She was possessed by a spirit of divination. And she met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So in other words, her masters, whoever 
were responsible for her. I don't know if they owned her. Evidently, I guess they did. She brought in a lot of money. Well, what? it's the same thing that fortune tellers do. You go to them, they read the tea leaves, they read your palm, they scry a crystal ball, whatever they do. They do, they, they do the tarot cards, the tarot cards, whatever. And they make money that way. Well, she was doing the same thing for her masters. The same followed Paul and us. So this girl followed Paul and us. And cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. The devil can speak truth initially to get you on his side, and then he will turn on you. There's a note I have written in my margins. The devil just doesn't always come out all of a sudden and just give you garbage and lies. He can speak truth to you. Or he can speak truth to you with just a little bit of leaven, a little bit of sin, a little bit of deception. He he tried to quote scripture verses back to Jesus, but he twisted them. You know? It's what he does. So just because she was saying this does not mean she was possessed by a spirit of divination. Okay, the girl was possessed. Verse 18. And this she did many days. So she was following them around saying this. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out in the same hour. This was the spirit of divination. He delivered her from this devil. Okay. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they weren't going to make any more money off her, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Because <laughs> they, they hit them in the pocketbook where it hurts. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Well, it was the demons possessing these dudes that were causing all of this to happen. They were not pleased with what Paul was doing and his, and his um, and the men that were with him. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, so they were beat for this, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, let me ask you a question. I haven't even read what she's going to say yet. This this Episcopalian bishop woman. Um, did all of this happen? Did they get thrown in prison and get beat with many stripes and thrown in the stocks and all the stuff because they were acting unrighteous and delivering this demon-possessed girl? Is that why they got thrown in prison? Because they were bad guys? In God's eyes? Of course not. They were suffering for the cause of Christ, which is actually a great honor. They did the right thing, and they were suffering for it. This witch, essentially, who earned her masters a lot of money through divination, through witchcraft, that monetary stream was gone now because she had been delivered from the devil, and these devils that essentially owned this girl were were mad about it because they weren't going to make any more money, So they created this gigantic uprising, and this is why this happened. Paul couldn't be, couldn't have been acting any more righteous in this regard. Okay? I think that's obvious. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and all of this uh, were in his house. And he took the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight away. He and all his, meaning the, the, the jailer and his whole family got saved. And were baptized the same night. And when he brought before them into his house, he sent meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God, all in his house. That's up to verse 34. Which are the verses she's quoting here. Okay? So in other words, Paul, for righteousness sake, because he had delivered this demon-possessed girl, okay, had mercy on her and delivered her. Oh, yes, he was irritated with her because she'd been following him around for weeks. Why he didn't it sooner? Why he didn't do it sooner? I don't know. Maybe God hadn't given him the green light to do it sooner. Okay, but he did it, got in all kind of trouble for doing a righteous, wonderful act. Okay, ends up getting thrown in prison. And the reason I believe he gets thrown in prison is not only to suffer for the cause of Christ, but also that this guy and his family end up getting saved. Okay, I mean, you can see God's handiwork all over this thing. But let's listen to this warped witch's interpretation of this. Okay. This is, this is unbelievable. So to illustrate her point, presiding bishop turned to the book of Acts 16, verses 16 through 34, which we just read in, in their entirety. I didn't skip over anything. And she noted, there are some remarkable examples of that kind of blindness in the readings we hear this morning. This blindness toward, um, toward valuing difference in people. Okay, is what she's in reference to here. Paul, she goes on to say, Paul is annoyed at the slave girl who keeps pursuing him, telling the world that he and his companions are slaves of God. She didn't say slaves, she said servants. Okay. Um, And then she goes on to say, she is quite right. She's telling the same truth Paul and others claim for themselves. But Paul is annoyed, perhaps for being put in his place. (laughs) Paul is annoyed by the demon-possessed slave girl, okay, which, essentially, because she's putting him in his place, is what this bishop, woman bishop lady says. And he responds by depriving her of the gift of spiritual awareness. (laughs) I'm serious, this is really what she said. The gift of spiritual awareness. Okay, so a devil that gives you the capability through witchcraft of divination. This is the gift of spiritual awareness here. Okay. She goes on to say, Paul can't abide something he won't see as beautiful or holy. So he tries to destroy it. This is so warped. It's so like, I mean, I have never heard a more asinine interpretation of scriptural passages than this. No, I, I really don't think I've ever heard that. This is how demon-possessed this Episcopalian bishop is. 
Paul can't abide something he won't see as beautiful or holy? Holy? A devil of divination? Holy? So he tries to destroy it? So he casts out the, the devil of divination. And in her interpretation, that's because he can't abide something as beautiful or holy. So he tries to destroy it. This is how evil this witch is that's saying this. Giving this sermon. Going further, it gets him thrown in prison. That's pretty much where he put himself by his own refusal to recognize that she, too, shares in God's nature. Just as much as he does, maybe even more so. I'm I'm reading from her sermon. The presiding bishop said, This is just the most unreal thing. That's pretty much where he put himself by his own refusal to recognize that she shares in God's nature just as much as he does, maybe even more. So he's just a bigoted devil, according to her. He's done this wicked thing, casting out the spirit of divination. So you know what? He gets what he deserves. He winds up in prison. How does she explain then all the good God does to Paul in prison? You know, where does that go? She, she attempts to. Oh. This verse came into my mind as I was reading these. Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, like this Episcopalian bishop, but in works they deny him. In works are their actions. Her own mouth, her own tongue, betrays what a devil she is, in other words. They profess they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. She's about as reprobate as they get. About as apostate, about as heretical as you could possibly get. And yet, she has a whole congregation that evidently approves of this. Or if they don't, they're sure not saying anything. Why on God's green earth would you sit under somebody like this and let them be your shepherd? (laughs) I I can't even comprehend it. The New Testament passage goes on to say, that now this is back to her, the New Testament passage goes on to say that Paul and Silas were imprisoned for freeing the girl of of her demonic possession. Well, that's what I say, or that's what the article said. Presiding Bishop noted that, quote, an earthquake opens the doors and sets them free, and now Paul and his friends most definitely discern the presence of God, like they weren't discerning it before, is what she's implying. Then she goes on to say the jailer doesn't, but the jailer doesn't, he thinks his end is at hand. Back to her, her interpretation. She says, however, Paul now repents of the mistake In casting out the spirit of divination, she argues. So, Paul realizes what a terrible thing he's done, freeing this girl from the spirit of divination. This is how, this woman is a lunatic. She's nuts. I mean, she's crazy. Paul now repents of his mistake in casting out the spirit of divination, she argues. This time, Paul remembers who he is 
And that all his neighbors are reflections of God. Even the Satanist down the street. Even the, even the witchcraft practitioner. They're all reflections of God. Even though the Bible's very clear that God hates the wicked. I'm sorry, but he does. And that they're vessels of wrath fitted or prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. And that God has prepared all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Sorry, but the Bible says that. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. Sorry, but the Bible says that. So, this time Paul remembers who he is, and that all his neighbors, all, pedophiles down the road, child molesters, Satanists, witches, warlocks, they're all reflections of God. And he reaches out to his frightened captor. This time, Paul acts with compassion rather than annoyance. Oh, how dare he be annoyed at that demon-possessed girl following them around for weeks. That's so unchristian. You know, Jesus was never annoyed with the Pharisees and Sadducees and and them, and the scribes, when they were always trying to trick him constantly. Remember that? No, Jesus was never annoyed at any of that. Jesus didn't call them serpents and vipers and white and sepulchers full of dead man's bones. No, he never said any of that. He never condemned them. He didn't over, overturn the money changer tables and, and, and scourge them with a cord because they were making merchandise in the house of God. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke this devil witch. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And I know it's a stretch to call the Episcopalian church the house of the Lord. But I pray for the day when God starts raining down his fury on this type of wickedness. And he opens people's eyes to the truth. Now I understand, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's, God is sending strong delusion that they will believe a lie. That they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If you have, if you were in this congregation and you took great pleasure in hearing this ignorant, lunatic witch expound this asinine interpretation of scripture, then you truly were, now I'm not talking to my listeners, I'm talking about somebody who would be there. You truly would be taking pleasure in unrighteousness. God is sending strong delusion to them that have no love for the truth and take pleasure in unrighteousness. You sin under somebody like this, you're going to get no truth. You're going to get twisted interpretations of scriptures. All you're going to get. So you got to be real careful where you're planting yourself as far as the church goes. While they promise them liberty, like this witch lady, they themselves are the servants of corruption, like this lady. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage, as the Bible says. You sit in a congregation like this, and eventually you will be overcome by the spirits that emanate and operate through delusional devils that call themselves bishops, pastors, deacons, whatever they call themselves. Those, those spirits will overcome you if you continue to willingly participate and sit in congregations of the dead like this. 
This is a congregation of the dead. And if the blind leadeth the blind, the Bible says they will both fall into a ditch. This lady couldn't be more blind. And you follow somebody like this, you will fall into the ditch of hell with her. She will take you right to hell. This is why this offends me so much. Because this isn't just about a bad sermon. This is about some devil who calls herself a bishop. And there's millions of these people in the pseudo-Christian church. And her goal, although she would never admit this, but her goal via a satanic agenda, because she is of her father the devil and of his lust and of his works, she is doing her goal though she would never admit this, is to get you into hell, which is the the biggest issue in the universe. Really, who ends up in heaven or hell? Isn't that what it's really all about when it boils down to everything? Who ends up in heaven or hell? Satan's agenda is to get as many people into hell and then the lake of fire as possible, and he's using devils like this to do it. And don't And I don't want to see anybody deluded by somebody like this. But you need to get out of places like this because you're not going to change it from within. And we're so far down the road that, particularly if it's 501c3 corporate church, they're already going to be assimilated into that one world religion. You do what God tells you to do, pray and fast about it, but I'm just, I'm just, I have to warn people about this type of stuff. This stuff goes on all the time. Millions uh, dare I say, thousands and thousands of times each Sunday or whenever they have these religious things and wherever these pre- things are being preached. So, <laughs> going back to her wonderful exegesis of Scripture, um, this time Paul acts with compassion rather than annoyance. And as a result, the company of Jesus' friends expands to include a whole new household. No, actually because he delivered the demon-possessed girl witch from the divination spirit, he ended up in prison so he could do that. He was put there for that reason, not only to suffer for the cause of Christ, not only to be tried, but also to lead this man and his family to the Lord. It was divine providence. But you're, you're, you're too blind, you're too demon-possessed, woman, to see that. Now, if it was a man, I'd be saying the same thing. Okay, so I'm just saying. it's Anyway, she goes on to say, it makes me wonder what would have happened to the slave girl if Paul had seen the Spirit of God in her. She's, what she's doing now is she's literally calling the spirit of divination the spirit of God. It's about as close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit as you probably could get. Because you're literally attributing something that is totally, purely evil in spiritual form as the spirit of God. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than this. In support, her argument for radical inclusion and diversity over doctrine, because a radical inclusion of homosexuality and diversity, meaning, oh, we have to just embrace every all of the wicked debauched lifestyles out there, because guaranteed she's one of them. She sure is really 
uh, concerned about it if she's not. And rabid lesbians, like I said, love to gravitate to the pulpit. Oh boy, they love it. They love having power. Particularly over men. I really believe they love to exercise power over men in their congregations. They love that. You ever been around, I mean, a guy, for a guy to be around a lesbian, and I'm sure a woman probably doesn't experience this, but when a guys are around a lesbian, I'm a real, real butch, bull, dyke lesbian, you know, and there, there's tons of them out there. I personally get the feeling of, you know what, I really feel like many times, not all the time, but I feel like many times, this woman really thinks she can, like, like, take me out or something. Like, she's gonna, like, I don't know, beat me up or, or physically overpower me or something. That's almost the sense you get being around those types of, of lesbians. They're not all that way, but a lot of them are. It's a very strange feeling. They have this because they're convinced themselves that they're like a, uh, a man in a woman's body. They have like this desire to overpower, overcome, defeat a real man. I just sense that. That's just me. You know, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't think that that I'm sensing the wrong thing there. I, I've had that feeling way too many times being around them. So, in her, in support of her argument for radical inclusion and diversity over doctrine, Bishop Jeff Jeffords Scorshi adds that we are not. Listen to this. She adds, we are not justified by our faith, but by our respect for diversity. We're not justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified by our respect for diversity of the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual agenda is exactly what she's saying here. And for witches too, because she's trying to defend this witch that was possessed with divination. Well, the fact that she probably is a lesbian witch would, I mean, obviously that would be a really big deal for her, that everybody would embrace her lifestyle. So we're not justified by our faith. No way. I could have swore the Bible says that for your sake by faith, through grace, and that not ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, if, if it was over our uh, if we were saved by our respect for diversity, that would be a work. No, we're saved by faith through grace. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11 So again, this truly is the world according to this whatever she is. Bishop. Then, she has the audacity to say this, quote, Looking for the reflection of God's glory all around us means changing our lenses. Meaning, Paul wasn't seeing the reflection of God's glory in this demon-possessed witch that was following them. He should have, though, according to her. Then she goes on to say, Or letting the scales on our eyes, fall away. Yes, yeah, see, because Paul had scales on his eyes. He was being a bigoted um, man in delivering her from this devil, is what she's saying here. Then she goes on to say, 
That kind of change isn't easy for anyone. But it's the only road to the kingdom of God. So that's the only way we're going to get saved unless we embrace all the queers and the witches, is what she's saying. I'm interpreting what is not so subtly between the lines here. Because if you're not paying attention to this and you're just sitting there and warming a pew or something and had no discernment, yeah, this might all sound great. <laughs> that kind of change isn't easy for anyone, but it's the only road, the only road to the kingdom of God. It's the only way you're going to get saved. What does the Bible say? Well, Galatians, I mean, if this isn't another gospel, if this isn't a false gospel that she's preaching, I, I don't know what is then. I, I don't know. The Bible says in Galatians 1, 6 through 1, 8, I marvel that you be so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, into the grace of Christ. You're saved by faith through grace, you know. Sorry. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Okay. For, your, for by grace are ye saved. Through faith. And not, not yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so. The Bible says in Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Unto another gospel. Which is what this lady was preaching. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, like this woman, and would and many and many men, obviously many false men preacher, many false women preachers, and there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Again, if this isn't a perversion of the gospel of Christ, I don't know what is. In her version of the gospel of Christ, we get saved by embracing the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, witch agenda. And that that's the only road to the kingdom of God. That's her version. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you that, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So, let this witch be accursed. Turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. If it be possible, I pray her soul be saved. But this woman collectively needs to be turned over to Satan. She would, she would totally fill that verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is something you hardly ever, ever hear preached on. If that was being done on a consistent basis when it should be done by actually real born-again Christians that were right with God, the church would be a totally different place. But it's, I don't even know when it's ever done. I've never heard of one ministry ever doing it. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's been done. But you, you can only do it if you're right with God. Okay? For the right biblical reasons. If this woman doesn't fulfill that verse in 1 Corinthians 5, of somebody that needs to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their soul may be saved, then I don't know who does. I really don't. And that we're not even supposed to associate with people like this that would call themselves Christians and utter this type of blasphemy out of their mouth. But so much of this is not is such a non-issue. 
in the average church. It's not, they, they don't even, they just totally ignore and bypass so much of Scripture. You know. Do I say that because I think I'm better? No, I don't. I'm just stating a fact. Isaiah 8.20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, which obviously she's not even in the same ballpark. She's not even on the same planet, biblically speaking. If they speak not according to this word, why is that? It is because there is no light in them. There's no light in somebody like this. Only darkness and if the blind, if you're blind, you're in darkness, right? And if the blind lead at the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. She goes on to say, quote, Salvation comes not. Salvation comes not from being cleansed by our sins, by the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. That's what she says. This blasphemous witch has the audacity to utter those words out of her forked tongue devil mouth. Salvation comes not from being cleansed of our sins by the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. But it comes through the divinization of humanity. Through the work of the human will. Well, I am so glad I can finally throw my Bible away. Because I finally heard the true truth of the gospel. I guarantee you every GLBT and witch and reprobate pagan that was in her congregation gave her a standing ovation. As it should be. So we're saved through the divinization of humanity. What does that mean? Divinization. By humanity becoming divine. By becoming gods. Gods. The divinization of humanity through the work of the human will. Because we're going to will it to happen. Through our own works-based efforts. We are going to become gods. Hey, you know, where have I heard that before? Let's go to Genesis 3 real quick. Where, this is just like the, it's no big deal. It's just where the first sin was actually committed. It was how, it was the carrot by which the first sin was ever committed in the Bible that caused sin to come into the whole realm of humanity. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. This woman is a serpent, essentially. She is speaking with her forked tongue as the serpent spoke in Genesis 3. Why? Because she's of her father the devil, and of his lust and of his works she will do. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Again, he's always perverting scripture. Um, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Every tree. So he was trying to say all of them. He's always perverting scripture. That's how Satan works. That's why it's so important what Bible version you're reading. Because it only takes a little bit of leaven to leaven the whole lump. 
And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So she corrects the devil. She, she's entering into dialogue with the devil, which is a mistake. Okay, But did Jesus Christ really didn't enter into dialogue when he dealt with the devil. He quoted scripture back and rebuked him. Okay, But she's entering into dialogue. Big mistake. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So she corrected him. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So he lied to her. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The father of lies. This is the first then this is how the first sin got committed in the Bible by a human. What was the ultimate carrot and enticement? Ye shall be as gods. Isn't that the exact same thing that all the New Agers, that all the people that get abducted and stuff, they come back and say that all of these New Age channelings and writings from like Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky and all these ascended masters are saying, aren't they all saying the same stuff? Where, you know what, we created you, and, you know, all these world religions, they're really all wrong. We created you a long time ago. You're a little science project, and we have to come back here and police this thing. And, you know what, if you do this, if you get on board, if you go from the age of Pisces into the dawning of the age of Aquarius, which is the big thing, you go into the new world order, ye will become as gods. This is the divination of humanity. This witch is preaching not so subtly that very same lie that Satan told in the Garden of Eden. We're not saved according to her by being cleansed of our sins by the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. See, she knows what salvation is. This witch, this demon-possessed Episcopalian witch. She knows what it is. She's demonstrated she knows. But she says we're saved through the divinization of humanity. Through the work of the human will. All works based. The work. We're not saved of works lest any man should boast. Remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is what I keep seeing over and over and over again from these various satanic sources. And when the Ascended Masters and the Antichrist and the False Prophet, and when they all make their big debut, they're going to be saying the exact same thing. We're all being set up and prepared for this. Yes, you'll have to take the Mark of the Beast. Yeah, you might have to take a few microchip, uh, maybe neural implants or whatever. Yeah, you have to get some vaccinations probably, you know, to really take you to that next step in your evolutionary development. I was listening to a clip on Alex Jones today, and there's obviously a lot of things from a news standpoint that you can glean, but I've also warned heavily against Alex Jones. That guy is so stinking dangerous. He said something yesterday in his Friday broadcast on a clip, and I just came unglued. Goes on to say, he gets all really philosophical and starts, I mean, like the guy's qualified to preach or whatever. He gets all real philosophical and stuff and says, you know, we're we're going to, uh, the New World Order and, and all of these Illuminati and these people, they're going to be defeated and put underfoot and drawn and quartered. And I'm thinking, yeah, when Jesus comes back, the Battle of Armageddon, but not anytime soon, 
Yeah, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, but not anytime soon, Jones. You're giving your listeners such false hope, like they, through their own works-based efforts, not through Jesus Christ, are going to overcome this wickedness that's coming. And you are a mouthpiece for Satan if you do such a thing. Yeah, but he does a lot of good putting... Yeah, there's there's a lot you can glean news-wise, but philosophically, the guy is an absolute heretical reprobate. He has Chuck Baldwin on one day, which, I mean, I agreed with what Chuck Baldwin was saying about the 501c3 churches and things of this nature. Great stuff. And he'll act like he agrees with him and say he wants to invite him on to do a sermon. And then he'll turn around next week and have Joe Rogan, a Satanist, on. Um, all these guys in high-level government that have all these CIA uh, former CIA, I mean, so much of it's very, very questionable. And then a guy like David Icke, who couldn't be a bit more bigger New Age freak on the planet. And he'll be in total agreement with David Icke as well. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You can't bow the knee to God and bow the knee to Baal. You can't do it. And that's what he does all the time, over and over and over again. Having the satanic hard rock music intros on there. Having guys like Megadeth. Oh, he's a Christian. Yeah, right. If he's a Christian, why is he still singing hard rock music? Why is he still singing satanic hard rock music? Well, he, he's doing it for Christ. Now, no, he's not. No, he's not. Those, those guys have all made deals with the devil, all those hard rock groups. Don't tell me he would have got out of it if he really would have got saved. There's so many examples of this over and over and over on Alex Jones. And he has the audacity, and I've heard him do this over and over again, where he goes on to say, we're going to defeat the New World Order, and they're trampling them underfoot and all this other stuff. Wise. Because that's not going to happen until the end of the tribulation, and Jesus Christ is going to do that. Not our own works-based will. And um, then he goes on to get into his philosophical, pseudo-religious, New Age garbage that he gets from David Icke after he had just had Chuck Baldwin on the day before saying what they're trying to do is prevent our, basically prevent our next evolutionary step. They're, they're trying to hold us back to, to, so we can't go forward as, as a, the human species. He's always using the word species over and over, which is exactly what the guys in the high-level New World Order, like Maurice Strong and Ted Turner do, in order to justify world depopulation. They say this is a species out of control, and it needs to be. And we need to quell our numbers, we need to have population reduction of 90 to 95%, which Jones would agree with. But he intermingles so much leaven into his stuff. But he was basically acting just like um, David Icke, who is one of the most God-hating, unchristian, New Age freaks on the planet, who is his good buddy, who he's interviewed umpteen times, on there saying that we're gonna, we're, they're just trying to prevent us from going to our next step in evolution. And I can so see... Alex Jones, when the Antichrist and the false prophets and all these dudes make their big, big appearance, and they come to unite all the world religions into one, and all the awaited saviors of the world appear on the heels of some type of cataclysmic trauma, like probably World War III, pandemics, earthquakes, you name it. When maximum trauma will be instilled to the human race, and they all show up. I can see Jones and his ilk pointing people to these, the false prophet and the antichrist. 
Because they're going to say, we're going to take you to our next evolutionary step. All these dark forces have been trying to make sure that you don't take this next evolutionary step. And they may even say, you know, we've eliminated the banking cartels and we've eliminated... They've said this. I've read a lot of the channelings and the writings. This is what they say they're going to come after. It's going to be good cop, bad cop. And so many people are going to buy into it because of all the lying signs and wonders and miracles. And that, the Bible says that's the way that the whole world will be deceived. And I can totally see Jones on that bandwagon at that point pointing all of his listeners who will end up in hell if they follow his heretical philosophy. I can totally see them going to hell because of him following that guy. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That is an ideal description of Alex Jones and anybody that would be a sold out follower of him. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. You trust him? You think that Alex Jones is going to get you to heaven? You've got another thing coming. You better get in the word of God. He doesn't point people to the Lord. How many people got saved listening to his show? Yeah, he'll say God and this and that, and sometimes he'll he'll act like, yeah, I'm really, really, you know, he'll convince you. But does that undo all of his other heretical, blasphemous actions with the guys that he has on the show, the music that he plays? All of the, I mean, I've done so many studies on him. Way, way, way too many red flags with that guy. And when it comes to the religious aspect, he is whacked out. But I've heard the same lie he keeps espousing over and over and over again. I keep hearing it over. Good cop, bad cop, I'm telling you, when it happens, they're going to say we're going to remove the dark forces and we're the good guys, we're your creators, you need to follow us, we're going to take you to your next evolutionary step, we're going to take you from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, we're going to take you into a grand new world order, we're going to give you free energy, we're going to give you cures to cancer, we're going to take you off, we're going to take you to a, 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 a gold and silverback currency. I'm telling you, it's the way I see it going down. So you better build your house on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, and then when the winds come and the waves come, you're not going to be moved off the rock. But if you build your house on the foundation of sand, like if you're a follower of Alex Jones, the waves are going to come, the wind's going to come, and you're just going to crumble. It's all works-based. His solutions are all works-based. I really get offended when I see people actively, I, I see them actively being used by Satan to take people to hell. Don't make flesh your arm. Don't make me your arm. Don't, don't lean on me. Don't trust me. I'm a man. I can fail you. Trust the word of God. Trust Jesus Christ, his word. Trust Father God. Don't trust me. Don't trust any man. I'm not saying that, you know, by the fruits you shall know them. I understand that. But I'm saying don't put your faith or trust in any man to deliver you or for salvation. If what they're saying is unbiblical, you know, and well, don't do it anyway. We're only supposed to do it in the Lord. So, Again, that's another gospel I keep hearing over and over and over again. And this woman says that we're only going to be saved through the divinization of humanity, through the work of the human will, which is essentially what I'm hearing out of Alex Jones' mouth as well. Then, um, this goes on to say, We are here among all the other creatures of God's creation, 
to be transformed into the glory intended from the beginning. The next time we feel pain, the pain of that change, perhaps instead of annoyance or angry resentment, this is this woman talking, instead of annoyance or angry resentment, we might pray for a pair of new glasses. So in other words, if we see somebody demon-possessed, we don't want to judge that. We want to pray for a set of new glasses so we can embrace their evil and love their evil. Like when you see a lesbian, like if you see two guys making out, you know, oh, I need new glasses. I need the scales to fall off my eyes because I'm being judgmental of this wicked, evil sin. And I need to stop that judgment. I need to stop that judgment. I need to embrace those two men, you know, passionately kissing over there and love that. That's what she's saying here. Okay, I'm interpreting exactly what she's trying to convey between the lines to you. So you can really grasp the full brilliance of this sermon she's giving us, you know. So, um, then she goes on to say, when resentment about difference or change builds up within us, it's really an invitation to look inward for the wound that cries out for a healing dose of glory. So when I am being biblical and I see something vile that offends me, like two men making out or two women making out or whatever, or maybe let's say you hear about a uh, a small child being molested by a pedophile, I think that would, or a witch doing what she does. See, that's really that's my problem. You know, this is an invitation to me for the wound that cries out for a healing dose of glory. See, that's just a, a character flaw in myself, evidently, is what she's saying. So then she goes on to say, we will find it in the strangeness of our neighbor. or uh, But celebrate that difference. I mean, the strangeness of our neighbor means that they're gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual. Cross-dressing guy comes in, like with my grandpa, wants to do some handiwork. Yeah, I need to embrace that. You know, Uh, then she goes on to say, celebrate that difference for it's necessary for the healing of this world. See, we just need more gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexuals in the world for the world's healing. But it's kind of funny because the God, the, the God of the Bible, the God of the word says, and the word of God says that that behavior defiles the land. It doesn't heal it. It defiles it. And that God will send the whirlwind and that the, that, against that to judge that wickedness and that the wicked are going to be cast into hell and all those that forget God the Bible says that that's how the world will actually be healed at least in part by purging the world of wickedness and sin she say no 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 no. the world's healed through more sin more sin heals the world Uh, This is just unbelievable. Responses posted on the Episcopal Church's website to the presiding bishop's sermon have been uniformly harsh. Well, that's good at least. Noting her interpretation was at odds with traditional Christian teachings, grammar, and logic. (laughs) That's an understatement. Um, One person said, This is quite possibly some of the most delusional exegesis I have ever read in my life. Yeah, I totally agree. One critic charged. Then he said, I'm sorry, but this sermon is not a Christian sermon. Really? Hmm. I thought it was. Okay, anyway. Um, another, the reception of bloggers has been equally unkind. Um, one person observed the presiding bishop had ended up had ended the plain meaning of the text 
Instead of liberation in freeing the slave girl from exploitation and demonic possession, the presiding bishop finds the act of freeing her as evil. And again, yeah, I mean, it's like, you, all you, you just shake your head. It's like, what is she thinking? Another argued, what's happening here is the exploitation of a biblical text in the service to a theopolitical agenda. Given what she says in the first paragraph, I've quoted from her sermon, the presiding bishop suggests that anyone who doesn't buy into that agenda, which would be anyone who would hold traditional biblical uh, understanding of such matters, is likewise afflicted with the same narrow-minded bigotry as Paul and is thus against the Holy Spirit and thus in need of enlightenment. Or in her words, divination. The divinization. Not divination like divining witchcraft. Like what we were just talking about. The girl was possessed with the spirit of divination. But this is the the, the, the divine, the, div, uh, the divine, us becoming divine is godlike. Us becoming as gods is what she was in reference to by embracing diversity. And this is how we get saved. And it's the only road to the kingdom of God. I mean, this is just, this is like t- taken straight from the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, witchcraft playbook and given in sermon format is what we're in reference to here. So um, I'm going to, well, let's see here. Do I have any more? Yeah, let's go a little bit further. Uh, next report. Radical homosexuals uh, infiltrating United States Congress. Uh, the ultimate dream is to create a new America based on sexual promiscuity in which the family values you and I cherish are long forgotten. Uh, better named the Homosexual Classrooms Act. Its chief advocate in Congress is Representative Jared Paulus, Democrat from Colorado, himself an open homosexual and radical activist. Now, again, like I said, the high ranks of government are being filled with Muslims, rabid, pro, um, you know, homosexual, lesbian, gay, the whole nine thing, people, and um, pro-abortion. That's what they're trying to fill the upper echelon and ranks of political offices with right now. Satan is trying to do this, and he's doing a great job. In that regard, it goes on to say, and it's dangerously close to becoming the law of the land. The last session, the Homosexual Classrooms Act had 170 co-sponsors in the House and 39 in the Senate. I have prepared the official Protect Our Children's Innocence petition to Congress for you to sign. It's something if you care to, you can sign as a petition or um, call your um congressman or whatever, but they're just trying to railroad this stuff down our throats all the time now. It's just incessant, you know, and this is just one more thing that they're trying to do here. I'm going to go ahead now and close out part two and we'll go to part three next.